Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Are you happy in Jesus? Praise the Lord. How many of you are glad you're not in jail this morning? Anybody glad you're not in prison? Anybody glad you're not in the hospital today? Amen. It's good to, they said it was good when they said, to come unto the house of the Lord. It's just something about the family of God coming together. Amen. People of like precious faith just joining ourselves together. I tell you, in, in entering into the presence of the Lord, uh, it's just so good to, to be here with you. Annie already said that, but I just wanted to say that. I was uh, on my way. Uh, by the way, I'm Kevin Durant. Hello, everyone. I'm your favorite traveling minister. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> uh, we like to at least think so. But uh, I was coming into town uh, whenever it was, because uh, we got here a little bit early, and I was thinking to myself, and, and, uh, and then the Lord began to just uh, stir my heart up, and, you know, I can't say it was an audible voice, but I just, I, I really believe the Lord wanted me to tell Living Word Family Church this, thank you for all your giving. Thank you for your giving. You know, over the years, you know, Annie and I have been coming to this church Actually, we started coming to this church when we came here with Brother Hagen's ministry, and I think one of the, the first ones, the first times we were here were, was like 85, 86, 87, around there. And so, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so we have qu- quite a history, as, as Annie has already uh, referred to. But, and over the years, you know, w- we've been aware of the missionaries you support, the, the traveling ministers that's come through, and, uh, and then, uh, I don't know if this is right or wrong to say this, but the last time we were with you, or actually Annie was here by herself, this church gave our ministry the largest offering we had ever received. Isn't that amazing? You all must like us. Uh, but anyways, and, and I think Pastor said it was the largest offering at that time that you all had ever given any, anyone. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe it was different than having Brother Hagen here and the whole crusade team. But uh, anyways, we have personally been blessed by this ministry. And I was thinking as we were riding in the town, this just came up. And, and I, I don't know at all if this was the Lord, but I was just thinking this. Could have been the Lord. But I was thinking, it was, what came up in my heart was, you know, every church has a different assignment, have, has a different plan to fulfill. And, but I was thinking, I thought, if every church was as fruitful and as was giving as Living Word Family Church, the kingdom of God would be, have, the, the family of God, the, the harvest would have reached, and we'd probably be in heaven right now, you know. And, but I just wanted to, on behalf of the Lord, you know, there's that song that says, uh, uh, there's that song that says, thank you for giving to the Lord. You ever remember that? It's been a song that was out years ago, and that's what came up in my spirit, to, to just thank you on behalf of the Lord for being such a giving church and a fruitful ministry. God bless you. I mean, I, I don't know. that You can go ahead and clap, response, rejoice a little bit over that. But um, I tell you what, when, when God takes notice of your giving, that says a lot. And the thing is, is if you've been a part of this ministry, there's no doubt in my mind that you've been blessed. Uh, has God been good to this ministry or what? 
I mean, the things that have happened in this place, in this very room, uh, manifestations of the presence of the Lord. I was, I was telling Brother Rogers, we were doing a sound check um, whenever that was, Friday was it? I said, yeah, you guys do a lot of crying around here. I see all these t- uh, tissue, tissue boxes around here. Uh, but I have, a, I have a feeling it's just uh, tissues or tears of, of just appreciation and, and gratitude for, for the things of God. I, I want to uh, also let you know, uh, I really appreciate what you said, Pastor Scott, because Annie and I, we felt the same way. Just, uh, you know, when, when uh, there's a transition in, in ministry, you know, you, Pastor uh, Larry and Pam, of course, we have uh, Miss First Lady of the church uh, here. We, we love Pastor Larry and Pam. We've known them for so many years. We, we stop in and see them uh, even when we're not doing a service here. And, uh, you know, I just, every now and then, you just need to laugh a little bit. I, I know it's a guarantee laughter moment if I get with Pastor Larry, you know. But, um, you know, it's no mistake in the kingdom of God that God's hand rests upon families, particularly when it comes to ministry. And uh, I've, I've lived long enough to watch families and generations come. And some of the most awesome uh, ministries that I'm aware of, I mean, just one, you think about Joel Osteen, you know, uh, he, he more than tripled, quadrupled the ministry that his, his father and his legacy left. Uh, I'm thinking of a, a minister in Jackson, Mississippi, Joel uh, Sims, uh, where his dad, Ronnie Sims, was one of the best pastors, most seasoned pastors I knew, but yet his son... Uh, did ex- has done extraordinary things, and their church has more than quadruple or maybe five or six times did what his father did. And Brother Hagen had a service at their church before, you know, after Brother Ronnie um, uh, went on to be with the Lord and said that Joel had a double portion of the anointing that was on his, his dad. And so sometimes, you know, when there's transition, uh, unless someone comes along and, and tells you how God things work, you, you may overlook some things. And as I've gotten to know Pastor Scott and, and Miss Beth, um, I've, I've had, we've had services on the phone that you weren't a part of. Yeah. We, we've had numerous conversations and just establishing relationship. And, and I'll tell you what, I couldn't be more blessed for you. I don't know if it's possible to be more blessed for you than what I just know. You know, Pastor Larry used to tell us, he goes, you know, my son, he preaches a lot better than I do. Amen. <laughs> It was like a holy hush there, Pastor. I actually heard a cricket for just a moment. But, um, yeah, I almost heard a cricket. Uh, but he used to tell me that, and, and I thought, oh, that's just Pastor Larry. Just, you know, he, you know, every father's little prejudice over there, his boy, you know. And so, you know, you just don't know. But uh, as we've talked and as we've, you know, visited and shared Scripture on the phone and dove into some of the spiritual things that we do when we talk, Man, I can see the, the richness. Uh, you, you think about it, and in all fairness, and I hope uh, Pastor Larry gets this tape, but, you know, if you think about this, you know, Pastor Larry went to Ramah, and he, he knows what he knows. The thing is, Pastor Scott went to Ramah, and he knows what he got from Ramah, plus everything his dad knows. Wouldn't that qualify him to be a better pastor? I'm just saying. <laughs> But here, here's what I have found out, is you have to re-sign up. When there's transition, and it's no surprise to God, yeah. no surprise to God. He knew it from the foundations of the earth. Right. There was going to be a Larry, and then there was going to be a Pastor Scott. Did he not? Yes. 
He's the ancient of days. He inhabits eternity. He knows your future better than you know your past. Amen. And so he knew Pastor Scott and Miss Beth was going to be here, and they were going to come right up underneath. And the thing is, I perceive you're more blessed now than you've ever been. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. I said, I believe you're more blessed than you've ever been. But what I have found out as I've traveled, and, and, you know, I'm almost 60 years old, so this is not my first rodeo. We've seen a lot of things. We, we witness and experience churches going through different seasons of their ministry. And, uh, but there, there, there comes a time when uh, you can't assume you've hooked up. When there's transition, you have to re-sign up, meaning that's my pastor now. Uh, in one sense, Pastor Larry, although he has a pastoral still, a voice, if you called him up right now, I'm sure the Lord would use him to speak in your life. But the thing is, when there's transition then, is this okay? Am I saying everything you told me to say? I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just playing. I'm just messing with I just, I, to, I told Pastor, I said, I really had a couple things I, before we get into the message. You won't take this off my preaching time, will you? So, what was I saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. What? Oh, you got to re-sign up. You got to re-sign up because there's been a, a, a there's been a handoff in the spirit, and so whatever you call your minister, your pastor, your man of God, whatever you call them is what you summons on their life. But it's not just what you verbally say that makes that connection. It's when there's a heart adjustment to the word pastor. That's what, see, every pastor, now, again, you know, we talk to pastors around the globe, sat around a lot of, you know, back rooms and talked about some of the things and things that pastors wish their people knew. And, and, and one of the things is, is we, we know, and every pastor knows this, when they stand in the back of the room and they shake your hand and you say pastor, they actually know who they really are pastors to and who they're not. That door of receiving the pastor has to be open from your side. And it's not just the word, Pastor, but when you're from your heart, you've, received, you've opened up your heart that this is my man of God. Here's what I have found out. In the word of God, there's only really one main reason why. Now, if I was, if I was preaching a message along this line, we could build a wonderful case for this. But when I read the word of God, Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw the multitude scattered and fainting, not having, it says, they didn't have a pastor. didn't say they didn't have a prophet. didn't say they didn't have an evangelist. They didn't have a special teacher. It says they did not have a pastor. So the very office and the anointing and ministry gift that Jesus, the head of the church, the great shepherd, said that every sheep needs the number one ministry gift. They need a pastor. Amen. Well, you look at the scriptures in Jeremiah chapter 3 and Jeremiah chapter 23. I encourage you to look at those scriptures. But the Bible says if you have a pastor, you, you won't be scattered. You won't faint. You'll be fed with knowledge and understanding. And you'll be multiplied and you'll be increased in the land. If you have a pastor, you'll be fruitful. You'll be increased. Fear will be driven from you and there will not be any lack. Is there anybody here that would be interested in this year, not having any more lack in your life. How many of you would like to say this year, I'd like to come to a place where there, fear is not even a part of my life. Fear is driven far from me. 
Because, you know, that's the one thing that, that Jesus said about the last days. He said, fear not, for I have overcome the world. In these last days, I mean, we even got the coronavirus now, you know. I tell you, it's not convenient anymore to be born again and understand your covenant and knowing, understand that you've been redeemed. It's not just con- convenient. It's not just a luxury. It's a necessity that you know as a born-again child of God, you know how to receive from God. And one of the number one ways you'll receive in your life and be strengthened and encouraged and fear be driven out of you and not have any lack, the Bible says, is that you found your man of God. You have found your pastor. When God said, I set every member in the body as it pleases him, number one, it pleases him. The thing is, is if you find out what pleases God, you'll find out that's what pleases you. The the important thing is that you open up your heart and say, I embrace what God has brought into my life. I'm going to receive my man of God, and I'm going to receive all the the wonderful things, the, the empowering things that God had always intended for me. That's on your side. You get to choose. I'm going to be like Fox News today. I report, you decide. You can receive it. You can not receive it. But I tell you what, when we get in God's plan, I tell you what, good things happen. Can you say amen? How many of you are blessed today? Okay, half of you are. Let me ask it one more time to make sure I didn't miss somebody. How many of you, you're blessed today? You know, that last song we sang, what a powerful declaration. Those words in there, I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm chosen, I'm, you know, hello. Those are all true things. Do you believe that today? Turn, if you would, to Psalms 107. Let's get into the word. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Let's go as you turn to Psalms 107. I just want to pray, and would you just agree with us? I believe that today is going to be extraordinary. Today, there's going to be some revelation, some impartation. Uh, you know what? I believe there, even this morning, you're going to see some things and you're going to know some things you didn't know before. Amen. You know, the word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, chapter 1, excuse me, verse around 7, 8, 9 there, it says, I has not seen nor ear has heard the things that God has prepared The Amplified says, has prepared and has kept ready for those that love him. Amen? He said uh, he's prepared and he has kept some things ready. You know what? You weren't as ready even last year as much as you are ready now. There's There's some places in God he's taken you. There's some things that you've had to pass the test. How many of you have ever, you've passed some tests the last year or two? You passed some tests. Well, that, that, that causes you, positions you to be at a place where now God says, now I'm ready to give you some things. Yeah. Amen. So today's one of those days. So would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you for Living Word Family Church. We thank you for this house. We thank you for the ministries, the families. Thank you for blessing this house. Thank you for what you've done over the, over the years. But Father, we believe that the best is yet to come. We believe the best is yet to come. We, we thank you, Lord, that much more increase, much more experiences in you, much more visitations, visions, and dreams, manifesting your will in this ministry, in this city, on this earth. Father, we thank you that today as we hear your word, we thank you that it washes us, it renews our mind. We thank you that your word 
brings light, for your word is light. And it eliminates darkness. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light, and it eliminates, it removes darkness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for opening up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, to see and to hear and to know your will, your ways, your plan. And Father God, we praise you in advance. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for what's about to happen in our hearts. We receive and we open up our heart to receive. We're hungry. Lord, you said those that are hungry and thirsty after you, you would fill them. You said the longing soul, the hungry soul, you'll satisfy them. So, Father God, we come approaching your word hungry, not assuming we've heard it all and we know it all. We come humbly, reverently to you in your word, and we thank you for showing us, revealing your word to us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that, and if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This church has seen so many wonderful things. Here in Psalms 107, praise the Lord. It says, oh, give thanks, verse 1, to the Lord, for he is good. How many of you know we sang about that this morning? He's good. God, you're so good. Obviously, there's one of us that's anointed to sing in my family. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. How many of you are thankful today for God's mercy? Some of you aren't thankful enough. You know, mercy means this. The best definition I've ever heard of God's mercy is God's mercy is where God will treat you better than you deserve. How many of you, t- I'm going to ask one more time, how many of you are thankful God's going to not give you what you deserve, he's going to treat you better than you deserve? My, one of my friends, he said that, I get both hands and both feet up in there, praising the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Has this church heard any messages about faith and how to release faith over the years? Have you heard anything about your heart and your mouth? Have, have, you, have you heard anything in this church, this ministry? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Don't you like the tense there, who hath redeemed us from the hand of the enemy? But it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, we'll get there. Turn to 1 Corinthians. If you have a cell phone, only use it for scriptural references, if you will. Is that okay to ask for that? We want you focused today. I understand your Bible might be on your phone, but um, it's unacceptable to be texting and reviewing emails and texts while you're in the house of the Lord when he's speaking. I said that's unacceptable. I'm, I'm just saying. Just saying. No, praise God. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. I have something I want to talk to you this morning, and that is about activating the anointing of your testimony. I want to help you, I want to empower you on a level that perhaps you've never been able to make contact yet. You know, uh, as I traveled with Brother Hagin's ministry for 10 years, and I led the prayer room, when people respond to be born again, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was in the prayer room for 10 years. The last five years, I led the prayer room. 
There were nights we had 400 people. I remember in Detroit, Michigan, at Keith Butler Church, we had 400 people a night receiving and speaking with other tongues all at the same time for the first time of their lives. Every night, around 400 people. And, but I have noticed over the years, there's a lot of people, you know, you can have something and not really know what you have. Uh, like you could have uh, uh, my pastor, Pastor Scott Webb. Some, some of you might know of him. He, he's ministered here before. You know, he talked in the South, they talk about having some rat hole money. You ever hear about that? You know, uh, that, that's the, the part underneath your purse. You, sp- you stick a little extra cash underneath it just for emergencies, you know. Uh, just, you know, some men have a little place in their billfold. You know, I'm just going to leave that one bill there just in case ever really needed it. And so, but you could forget that it's there. And you could get somewhere and you need to use it, but if you forgot you had it or you don't know you had it, it's as though you never had it at all. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, you know, the number one thing that Jesus wanted you and I to have is he wanted us to have power from on high. When Jesus left, he said, listen, you're going to do all the things that I did. If you believe in me, the works that I do, you shall do also in greater works than these. Not in quality, but in quantity, because there's a lot more of us. Can you say amen? And so there's, there's, there was a, 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 an assignment given to disciples. Uh, listen, you're going to do what I did. You know, I, I, I like to say this sometimes, that it's pastor's job to train you to do what you thought it was his job to do. Amen. It's, it's his... It's his job to train you to do what you thought of. You get to cast out devils. Hello. You get to help people get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get to lead people into salvation. Sheep reproduce sheep. Pastors don't reproduce sheep. It's just a thought. You know, if you know anything about how, you know, anyways. um, Just saying. But it's important to know that we've been empowered and that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. This is the great mystery. That's not a mystery anymore. Christ in you, the anointed one, and his anointing is on the inside of you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says, You are anointed from the Holy One, and you know all things. The revealer is on the inside of you. You're anointed. Everyone say, I'm anointed. Now, do you believe that? Do you, in this, a church like this, the majority of you are probably, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I remember Mark Brzee said one time, it's not when you were first filled that matters, it's when were you last filled. Just a thought. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. It's not when you were first filled that matters, it's when were you last filled. You know, you can be more or less filled. Uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, be not drunk with wine where there's access, but be being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's, it's a continual process. It's like the prayer of consecration and dedication. How many of you know you can't just pray that once? Because, yeah. you know, the next day you'll wake up and your flesh will be screaming to do its own thing. You've got to daily present yourself consecrated, dedicated. This was especially for you, Brother Pastor Mike. I just thought you needed to hear that. But anyways, yeah, amen. I, I could tell that really ministered to you. Anyways, so anyways, we're, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have an anointing. This is the great mystery, Christ in you, the anointed one in you. He's not just there for extra baggage. Amen. 
And so we surely need to understand and, and learn to cooperate with the anointing and how to, I love this word, activate. Everyone say activate. Now tonight, Annie and I will be activating. But we have learned some things of how to activate, and we want to teach you how to activate. Is that okay? We want to teach you how to activate. And then we're going to demonstrate activation. Matter of fact, in this service, I'm going to demonstrate activation. And, and, and you'll see it, and you'll feel it, and you'll experience it. Activation. Everyone say activation. Now, the things that we're going to about to share with you, and you found 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because we're talking about activating the anointing specifically of your testimony. And your testimony plays a key role in, in your victory in overcoming in this life, but not just overcoming and having victory in your life. The anointing being activated that's on your testimony has much to do with setting people free and destroying yokes in other people's life. And that's when it gets fun. That's when it gets fun, is when you can activate at will, on purpose, and see someone else get set free, and you knew what you were doing. Come on now, this is no mystery anymore. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, today is going to be, how many of you can think far enough? I see a lot of white hair in this place, and I got some myself. And so, some of you, you've been around for a long time. And I see young people, I see some older people. But do you remember back in elementary school where there was a coloring book that you look at the page and it's just numbers and dots? And they encourage you to get out a, you know, a pen or something or a crown and connect those dots and start moving through and, you know. And then, oh, it's a bunny rabbit. So you get out the gray crown and you start cut, you know, start coloring. How many of you know you had to connect the dots in order to even see the picture? This morning, I want to help you connect dots because that's how the word I'm going to bring to you, we saw some things, we found some things. It's been there all the time. Your spirit man is going to go, I know this. Your spirit man is like, why did I not see this like that? Are you ready? First Corinthians chapter 2, let's go. And I, brethren, verse 1, Pastor Scott tapped into my message, right, earlier. He quoted this. When I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Everyone say the testimony of God. Everyone say this, God has a testimony. How many of you know he's got a testimony? How many of you know he's got a big testimony? For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is one powerful statement. Paul saying, for I determined not to know anything. Now, we're talking about the man who was inspired by the Holy Ghost to write nearly three quarters of the New Testament. The New Testament. And he's the one that's saying, he's the one that's saying, listen, I don't know, I don't determine to know anything. But here's one thing I really know is important. What is that, Paul? He said, Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, uh, 2018, February, one of the most amazing gifts, blessings to the body of Christ was Billy Graham. And 
we had a, a glorious homecoming. For about two, two weeks, at least, on television, if you watched CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, major networks, wasn't it an amazing time to watch the gospel being preached on national television? Uh, heathens and anchors and some Christians, some not Christians, were actually preaching the gospel because they were repeating Brother Graham's favorite scriptures, and they were showing footage of his crusades and people getting saved and people getting healed. Wasn't that an amazing two weeks? That sure beats what we've been seeing lately, isn't it? Billy Graham could share his testimony in two and a half minutes, Franklin Graham said. If he was in a TV interview, he said that if they just look for the smallest window, begin to preach the simple message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, he said, and, and if you ever watch interviews with one of them, you could see him looking for the window. And then, man, when that window came, they would just start speaking. Two and a half minutes, the gospel was just preached. How many of you believe that if the whole gospel can be preached in two and a half minutes, you ought to get more efficient about yours? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But the thing is, isn't it amazing that the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified this morning, you know, my brother, he's already had a service 12 hours ago. He's in mainland China. But this day, the gospel is being preached around the globe, and the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus has never lost its power. I want to tell you this, that the testimony, the reason why we want to emphasize your testimony is because there's power on it. And a testimony has residual, continual, yoke-destroying, anointing-activated ingredients on it. It never stops. Like today, the gospel is being preached around the world, and the gospel has the power to set men free and to save them and translate them out of the kingdom of darkness and translate them into the kingdom of his dear son. That's a miracle. Just the preaching of the gospel, and that's because the gospel never loses its effect because it's anointed. God is on it. Interesting. Look what it says here. It says, verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Verse 4 says, and my speech, everyone say my speech, and my preaching. Everyone say my preaching. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration. In other words, my speech and preaching wasn't just with persuasive words. My speech and my preaching was a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul's letting you know that preaching and when you're speaking, it's a demonstration. But I want to present this to you. Not only is the speaking itself a demonstration, but the speaking and the preaching causes demonstration and manifestation. Everyone say this, my speech and my preaching is a demonstration and causes demonstration and manifestation. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Could you turn over to Titus? <clears throat> Let's build a little case for this. 
Titus. How many of you know that in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, and, and, and what else? They overcame. John was having an open vision when he wrote this, and he's seeing in the spirit realm you and I here now where we live. And he said that he saw you and I, the body of Christ, overcoming by two things, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. I believe most everyone in this church, you know the power of the blood of Jesus. You know, if you've ever had the flu or whatever, have been tested in your body, it's so important uh, to, to know your blood covenant. There's been times that I've been riding on the porcelain bus. You know, uh, it's in the bathroom, sitting there. Sorry about the graphics here. But I, I literally looked on the floor, and I, I would draw a bloodline. I said, devil, you see that? I'm just, I'm just drawing a line. That, that's the blood of Jesus. And I'm on this side. You can't cross this. Remember the children of Israel? You know, when they painted the blood of the goats, lambs across the doorposts, and that death cloud came in. And it went right past them. We understand the, the, the provision that the blood of Jesus provided for us over 2,000 years ago. So we know that our victory is because of the price and the blood that was shed for us. Can you say amen? But John, in the spirit, he's not only recognizing the blood of Jesus, but he's making us aware that in addition to the blood, there's something else that has to happen, and that is we're going to overcome by something else, and that is the word of our testimony. Remember, we read there in Psalms 107, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Think about it? Think about your testimony? No, he said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know what, in this church, you don't have to explain so much of every little detail for you all to get some things because you do get it. But why have we been hearing about the message of faith and getting the word out of your mouth? This confession isn't just something that we do that's mechanical. This declaration and this the letting the, the redeemed Lord say something out of their mouth, it's... It's by divine order and direction by the head of the church. And he knows a lot more about what's happening when you speak out of your mouth than what we have known. Look what it says here. I mean, you can go all the way back to Genesis. You know, in Mark chapter 16, uh, verse 11, excuse me, it says, have the faith of God. Well, we always go back to Genesis and say, how did God, you know, create the whole earth? How did he make the firmament? How did he put the stars in the sky? How did he have night and day? It says he spoke it into existence. That's why Mark 11 says, have the faith of God. So here we've been learning about faith all this time, but, but here's another scripture that supports this. It says this in Titus, uh, the first chapter, the second verse. It says this, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching. So we see here that God manifests his word through preaching. Amen. 
We've, we've known all the way back to Genesis, God manifests his word through preaching. God spoke, and life was created. Jesus, the head of the church, he didn't say, you can have what you say. He said, you will have whatsoever you say it. Some people think because they don't see it immediately. I mean, aren't you glad that we don't get everything immediately that comes out of our mouths? I mean, I mean, thank God, you know, Jesus didn't say everything he thought. Like, can you imagine Jesus walking up and says, my back is killing me. I mean, think about if you got everything you ever said. Yeah, immediately. We had a lady in the congregation just, just a few days ago. She sat in the congregation, and she goes, I'm too stupid to receive. Out loud, people all around her heard it. I'm too stupid to receive from God. Wow. Aren't you glad you don't get everything immediately? Oh, I'm such a scatterbrain. Where's my key? Where's my car? I mean, I can't remember anything. Wow. So although you and I have heard a lot, you know, it wouldn't hurt to just remind ourselves that there's creative power coming out of our mouth, and it's like laying blocks on a house. It's not like, if, if you study the different words, saith, or say it, or some form of say there in Mark 11, 23 and 24, if you look at the, they're, they're not all the same. And what you'll find out is that at the, at the end of the day, you may not think that because it happened immediately that something's not being built, but if you study that, those verses more in depth, you'll find out every word you speak is building layers of a house. <laughs> I thank God he gives us an opportunity to <laughs> unpluck some things. Because, you know, aren't you glad? He's like, man, I, I'm an idiot. I, I'm the first one that gets the flu. Well, then, then you come to church and then you read the words up here that says, I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm healed, I'm whole. It's like, your high priest is working doubly hard to try to figure out what he wants to do for you. Are you all here today? But it says here, God manifests his word through preaching or what comes out of your mouth, your speech, your preaching. I, I have a testimony when I was about uh, seven, eight, nine years old. I had the worst case of allergies and asthma a person could have. And uh, my mom had to feed me a special diet. Um, There's certain foods I couldn't have. I couldn't get around furry animals, cats dogs. If I did, if I start petting a, a dog, I, my eyes would start swelling up, you know, and, and just close. My breathing was altered. Uh, there were times uh, my, my, my body, my skin would just break out and rash, and it, it wasn't good. And, um, but there were some nights I can still remember like it was yesterday, um, when I would have an asthma attack, and maybe I didn't have an inhaler, 
this is a lot of years ago. You know, we people are more prepared. They know how to deal with, you know, s- symptoms when they flare up and things. Uh, but I remember uh, my parents having a good time with some friends. They were out in the, in the kitchen area, and we were visiting some some other high school buddies in North Carolina. And I guess it was in where there was a bunch of pine trees. And whatever, maybe it was during the pollen, you know, being released. But I was in the back bedroom while I was hearing them laugh. And, I mean, every breath, I was in the back bedroom. They didn't know it. I was breathing every breath like this. And there were nights I breathed all night long like that. Now, somehow, being a young boy at that age, I knew that wasn't the way to live, and I really didn't want to live. One day, uh, my mom, I, I like to refer to my mom. She's gone on to be with the Lord, but she was a powerhouse. She, I, I like to say she was like a lesser, a female version of Lester Summerall with a skirt on. You can imagine that, some of the, you that know. She, she was used in the counseling ministry and the deliverance ministry uh, numerous times. Benny Hinn uh, would call her out in meetings and say, is Twilight Durant here? This person needs to be delivered, be set free. Uh, my mother would commonly go on these 30-day fasts where, I mean, when she would come out of the presence of the Lord after fasting for three days, it's not like these Daniel fasts today where people gain weight while they're fasting. Um, I'm just saying, if you're, if you're gaining weight during your fast, something's you need to go do it old school if you want results. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to help somebody. But, you know, back in the day, it would be like water with lemon. And that's it. And you always prayed during the mealtimes. But man, when she would come out of those fasts, me and my two older brothers, we knew we better be living right. Because the spirit of seeing was really, like, her antennas went like, I mean, I don't know where that sound came from. But anyways, that's the only thing that could come to me at the moment. But, but her, her spiritual sensitivity was heightened to a level that was just amazing. She would always do that right before she'd go minister. and she, They would call upon her where they knew someone had an evil spirit. She actually saw people that were demon possessed, completely set free. Had one of the ladies come to my mother's funeral to honor her, and she passed away and said, I'm so-and-so. Well, I remember as a young boy hearing my mom speak her name again and again, and she went into homes, my mother, where silverware would come flying out of the drawer. Drapes were moving when there wasn't any wind blowing could go down the, the hallway of someone's house, and there's an invisible wall. Like, you're just walking. And this wasn't some Matrix movie. This was, like, real spiritual stuff going on. But she'd go in 
to these places and see people 100% set free. Well, she was out counseling, came home from being at the church ministering to somebody. I'm in the back bedroom having an asthma attack, and actually I was barely breathing. I looked purple, gray. My mom saw me. She put her arms underneath me and brought me out and laid me on the, di- the kitchen table, the dining room t- table, excuse me. It must have been 520 because that's exactly when my father would always get home from working at the Postal Service for 21 years. He walked in, and my mom just had laid me on the table, and she go, my dad goes, what's wrong with Kevin? And my mom looked at my dad and said, honey, she goes, we either have to rush him to the hospital right now or we have to have a miracle right now. You know, there's sometimes you're going to have to know what you believe. And uh, I remember my parents just kind of taking a moment, backed away from me for just a moment, and then all of a sudden I heard them say, God, either there's power in the name or there's not. Either there's power in the blood of Jesus or there's not. But we know there is. And now we lay hands on Kevin's body right now in the name that's above all other names. And we command life to flow into him. And we command this asthma to go. And for breath to come into his lungs. In the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, I took the biggest breath of air. And all of a sudden, all the symptoms left, and I've never had another asthma attack from that day. Right there. Did you sense or feel anything just then? Did you you sense anything about that testimony? When I shared that testimony... It activates the anointing of the moment it happened. When the gospel is preached, it activates the anointing of the moment Jesus was shedding his blood on the cross. That same power, that yoke-destroying power that was happening on the moment when he said... It is finished. That yoke-destroying power, that anointing is activated when the gospel is preached. Now, what's interesting is how many of you, again, are thankful for what God has done. If you're saved, if you're filled with the Spirit, you've ever been saved, I mean healed, and how many of you ever had a financial breakthrough just in time? Can you, can you just raise your hand and acknowledge? You know, don't, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's something to give glory for, amen? But, but l- let me ask you something. Really, whose testimony is it? Whose testimony is it? Did you make it happen? No, you didn't. It is your testimony because you're the one it happened to. 
But who did it? I said, who did it? So couldn't you say that you have a testimony that's joined together with his? It's your testimony, but it's also God's testimony. I'd like to go as far as to say, if the Bible was still being written today, and everything was recorded, that is a testimony of God, because that's what this is. This is a book that, that, that expresses the intentions, the will, the actions, the testimonies, the experience of God's testimony. This is his testimony. So, so, well, you know, God's a sovereign God, and if he wants, no, in his sovereignty, this is what he told us. In his sovereignty, we got his will and his testimony, and that's why it's anointed. But your testimony is God's testimony. God's testimony is your testimony. Hallelujah. Would you look to uh, Acts chapter 10? Like I said, we're, we're connecting some dots. Amen? Are you, are you already seeing just a little bit more light than maybe you had before? Look what it says here in Acts chapter 10. This is so exciting, church. And uh, the reason why I'm sharing this with you and, and the church, and this isn't my first time to minister, but it's this subject, but it's different every time I, I minister to it. You know, Brother Hagan. He freed us from the fear of repetition. And uh, Brother Hagin said this. He said, uh, you know, you really don't know how to preach something until you've preached it 50 times. And so the more I preach this message, the more I get out of it. And it's just getting deeper and deeper. And uh, we're learning things. And, and, and we're going to learn more here this morning. Look what it says here. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I want to tell you what's going on here. I, I'm just going to, instead of reading the whole chapter, can I, can I just tell you? And then uh, I'm going to get to verse 42 in just a moment. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. That's what I'm going to get to. But let me just tell you really quickly what's happening in this 10th chapter. Because we're going to see how God, you know, we, we know that in, in Mark chapter 16, it, it says that God went with his disciples confirming the word. Confirming the word with signs following. God is all about watching over his word to perform it. So when we preach the word, we, when, when we speak his word, or you speak your testimony because it's really a God event, if the Bible was still being written, it's very possible your testimony would be in it. And then when you share, if someone read your testimony, you go, wow, I can take that for myself, yeah. just like the other healing That's examples right. we have. And so what's happening here is there's a man named Cornelius in Caesarea, and he was an Italian man. He was a giving man. And he was a worshiper. Those are two really, he was a prayer, a worshiper, he was a giver. That's, you know what? I have never been to a church in our own ministry in 28 years where the Lord said for me to tell the congregation, thank you for your giving. I've never had the Lord in all these years. If you include 10 years with Brother Hagen, I've been in the ministry for well over 38 years. I've never had the Lord say, thank you for your giving. God sees your giving. And he took notice that he was a worshiper. And so he sent an angel of the Lord here to him and said, 
I've got something for you now. Because you love me and you worship me and you give to the kingdom, I want to get something to you. And so the angel of the Lord said, I want you to have a couple of your men go to Joppa. There's a man named Peter there. He's going to have words from heaven for you. Well, let's break away from that moment, that visitation, and let's go to Joppa where Peter wakes up early one morning, and he goes up on the housetop uh, early in the morning. He's hungry. He's thinking about food. And all of a sudden, he has an open vision. And all of a sudden, this sheet lowers down, and there's these four-legged creatures on it. Long story short on that, the whole meaning of that in, that, in this 10th chapter, is God then speaks to Peter and reveals to him, don't, because he was saying, the Lord said, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And, the Lord, and Peter said to the Lord, no, I'm, that, that, those, those things have been you know, declared as unclean. I can't eat that. And the Lord said to him, don't call unclean what I call clean. And really, the, the, the greater um, thing that the Lord was trying to get over to Peter was, don't call the Gentiles unclean. This message of salvation and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is not just for the Jews, it's for the Greeks, it's for the Gentiles. And so that was the whole meaning of that. And then the Lord said, there's coming a couple men seeking for you, and I want you to go with them. And so Peter just had this, this rooftop experience in the presence of the Lord, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and there's two men from Cornelius' house, from Cornelius. They said, is there a man named Peter here? Peter says, I'm him. And they said, well, our master sent us here to have you come with us. Our master said, the Lord said, you've got words from heaven for us. And Peter said, I'll go with you. So the next day they pack up and they go to Caesarea. They're walking in and they go to Cornelius' house. Peter walks in the door and Cornelius, his servants, his family, he's got a house full of people because he knows a man of God is coming to his house, and he's going to hear whatever it is. God said, I've got words for you. Peter walks in. Cornelius bows and goes to his knees. Peter says, no, 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 please, please stand up. He says, we're just both men and servants of the Lord. There's only one person that's worthy of all the glory and honor, and his name is Jesus Christ. Well, he begins to speak. And uh, he's now got words for, for Cornelius and his household. Verse 38 says he, he's describing, he's sharing with Cornelius and all the house there what he witnessed in Jesus' ministry. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And started going on, says that then Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, there were specific people that, that uh, God had Jesus appear to so that they could be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus uh, from, the, from, the de- from, the, from the grave. And then he's talking about this, and, I, and I'm, I'm imagining, can, can, you, can you give me just a little bit of uh, liberty to uh, describe perhaps what else Peter might have been sharing with them? Can you imagine, uh, you know, we, we have... We have a, a scriptures that say that the halt and the maim came to Jesus. I can imagine uh, Peter saying, and we saw these lepers, that they were all healed. 
And this demon-possessed man, he was thrown into the fire. And then he, 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 Jesus came to him and, and, and told him that he, to be free. And he went leaping and praising God. And that evil spirit that was tormenting him completely left him. We saw people who didn't have their fingers or they didn't have toes. The Bible says the halt, the maimed, were made whole. Have you seen anybody that had maimed hands? That means that they were made whole. That means fingers begin to pop out. In Brother Hagin's ministry in his, in his time, he talked about, I remember him saying this many, numerous times about a man, not a preacher, just someone like the rest of us lay people who he had a special anointing. He would spit on his hand. And if someone, there was one service, particularly he would like to share this, that this one man had a little stub for an arm. They called on this man. He spit on his hands, rubbed his hands, and then rubbed it on that little stub for an arm. And in front of everyone, it, that arm grew out. And that is well documented. That, that's, in, that's in our lifetime. Well, you can only imagine the testimonies that, G, that Peter was talking about Jesus. He's going on. And then, and then he said, and then here, here's one last thing he said before he took off, before he left. And he visited us right before he left. After he was raised from the dead, he came, and we didn't even know who he was. But he showed up, and he started eating with us. And when he, he dipped his bread, we go, wow, this sure seems familiar. He appeared to us. And the last thing he told us, he said, listen, guys, everything that's happened is exactly what the prophets of old said and exactly what I told you would happen. He said, listen, I want you to go to the upper room. I want you to go to the upper room, and I'm going to send back the Holy Ghost. It's about to get good. It's about to, get, it's about to be better for you. Can you imagine what those disciples must have been thinking when, when he said, wait a minute, you're telling us it's going to be better for us. Right, you're the leading prophet, the leading evangelist. You're the pastor to the pastor. You're the greatest teacher ever known to man. And you're telling us it's going to be better for us if you go. That's exactly what I said, because up to now, you've had me with you. But when I leave and I send back the Holy Ghost, he's, Riley, just stand right here for a second. He said, when, when, just face the people, would you? So Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. When I send the Holy Ghost, he's going to unzip your earth suit. And then Jesus is going to do one of these numbers. And he's going to zip you back up. And he's going to say, you're my hands. You're my feet. You're my mouthpiece. Thank you, Riley. Did you feel that? All right. <laughs> And that's why Jesus said it's about to get better for you. So he's talking about we were in the upper room. And we were waiting in the presence of the Lord. And just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit came. And when he came, I'm telling you what, there was like a whirlwind. I, it, it felt like the, the, the room was, was, was moving. And all of a sudden, we saw like it, it looked like, like cloven tongues of fire that sat upon. And we got filled with, with the Holy Spirit, and we started speaking a language we never have ever spoken out before, and Peter is just sharing this. This is his testimony. He's not in a church. He's not in a synagogue. He's in someone's living room talking about this, and he says, and he told us, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. Everyone say testify. Everyone say, I have a testimony. 
Everyone say, I'm anointed. God's calls me to testify. God called me to testify. Everyone say, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Verse 40 says, 44 says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those that heard the word. So all Peter's doing is he's sharing his testimony, and right in the middle of testifying, the Holy Ghost fell just like it did in the book of Acts because he's speaking, he's testifying about the experience in God and the event in God, and it activated and triggered the anointing that fell on the day of Pentecost. Do you all see that? Are you all getting this? We're giving you enough word for this, right? Can I tell you something really interesting that we never knew about Brother Hagin's ministry? And I'm sure you never knew this. Brother Hagin, in 1950, I'm sure many of you heard the Rockwall vision testimony, where he, uh, the Lord appeared to him in a tent meeting, a tent revival. It was really bad weather, rainy, windy. No one came, except for a few people who were all in. And Brother Hagin said, you know, instead of preaching a message tonight, why don't we just gather around the front here? I can almost see the sawdust on the, on the floor. Why don't we just gather around and pray for the, this, this storm's going to pass. Why don't we just pray for the upcoming meetings? Brother Hagin kneels down. They start praying. They get over in the spirit. They're praying in other tongues. They're praying in the spirit. And all of a sudden, Brother Hagin hears a voice that says, come up hither. Come up hither. And Brother Hagin said it was so real, he thought, here's how real it was to him. He thought somebody from over on the hillside was making fun of them praying in the tent and was just trying to play with them, mess with them. Come up hither! Trying to act goofy and silly. And so, again, Brother Hagin hears the voice, come up hither, come up hither. Well, Brother Hagin looked up to where the top of the tent was, and he sees Jesus standing there. And Jesus said, come up hither, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. And Brother Hagin, in his testimony, says when he said that, his, this, his spirit like just left his body and met Jesus at the top of where the tent was. And the moment he met Jesus there, they just took off and they went to heaven. They're standing in heaven. And Jesus, the head of the church, says, Brother, said, I don't know what he called him. I don't remember that part. But he said, he said, stick out your hands. And Jesus took the finger of his right hand and put it in the palm of both of Brother Hagin's hands. He said, I've called you. I've anointed you. And I place an anointing in your hands. And you may have heard Brother Hagin say this, not in your head, in your hands. He goes, I'm not telling you to lay your head on anyone, but I am telling you to lay your hands on people for healing. And he says, I want you to tell the people I appeared to you. And then Jesus said to Brother Hagin, the bolder you tell this, the greater the results will be. Jesus also said, if you don't tell the people I appeared to you, if, you tell, if, you're, if you're not bold, in other words, if you don't tell them I appeared to you and I, and, I, and I put the finger in my right hand in both your hands, he goes, this anointing will not work. For years, Pam, how, how long have we heard Brother Hagin say, tell this testimony? 
you know, Brother Hagin would start telling this, and there'd be oil dripping from his hands sometimes. He wouldn't even bring attention to it because he didn't want people to look to him. He wanted people to look to God. Literally, we'd be walking around with oil dripping. Never brought attention. I never saw him bring attention to that once. But when he'd talk about it, all of a sudden, that anointing would be activated. Annie and I were, were some ministers, and we're talking about this, and then we were talking about another minister friend of ours that had an extraordinary experience with God that every time he tells his testimony, the power of God falls, and for the last 20 years, he has never been able to finish his testimony. He has not been able to finish his testimony because the power of God falls. I thought, Annie and I thought, most ministers thought, because this is how Brother Hagin said it, that this anointing won't work if you don't tell it. Well, we thought it was the obedience factor that activated the anointing. But you think about it. Who's the one telling Brother Hagin this anointing won't work unless you tell it? It's the one that got up in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where Jesus, it was his custom to go in the synagogue, and it was his custom to get up and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Those people that read the prophet of Isaiah and, and Joel, they knew what the anointing did. They knew the anointing would remove burdens and destroy yokes. They knew when Jesus got up and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Everyone say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Do you believe that today? Oh, come on now. Do you believe that today? He said, you are anointed from the Holy One, and you know all things. You're anointed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ now lives inside of me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One translation says, I consider myself as having died, and I'm now enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus using my body. Woo! I said, did you get that one right there? I consider myself as having died, and I'm now enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus now using my body. Can you see that today? Can you see that today? We thought Brother Hagin was, was activating out of obedience when actually Jesus, the head of the church, he knew something about activation. That's why he would get up, and it was his custom to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And then he goes into talking about three times he talked about proclaim or preach. The anointing will cause you to testify. The anointing will cause you to preach. The anointing will cause you not just to testify, but when you do, it will activate the anointing as the moment of whatever it was that you're testifying about. You want to hear a counterfeit to this? There's a counterfeit to it. I know no one in this room would do this. But have you ever been hurt? Has anyone ever hurt you? Has anyone said anything wrong about you? Oh, it's just me, right? Have you ever found yourself talking with somebody and you revisit that, that thing that you thought you got over? You thought you forgave. You thought you let it go and you forget those things which are behind you. You cast all the care of that 
ugly thing over on the Lord because you know he cares for you. But then again, you go and you pick it back up and you, oh, yeah, there it is again. When you tell it, have you noticed that all the emotion of the moment it happens all of a sudden just comes right back like it just happened? That's called burden. That's called yoke. This is the counterfeit. Oh, I hope you're getting this, child of God. Whose report will we believe? If you rehearse your past bondage, your past sin, the hurt, the shame, the guilt, the junk of what someone treated you, have you ever had anyone keep your money? Have you ever had anybody keep your money? I'll tell you what, you have to have like a three gifts of the Spirit manifested to get over that, right? I mean, it, you, I mean, it really, that thing will just try to, and every time you think about it, and man, when you go talking about it, all of a sudden, there's the yoke. There's, there's the burden. That's what the enemy has used. Can we not just go ahead and go all the way with God and say, I'm just going to agree with God. I'm just going to testify of his goodness and what he's provided. And I'm going to let the yoke-destroying power of God continue to be activated in my life. I'm just going to keep testifying about what the word says about me and what God has done for me and let the blood of Jesus and the power of my testimony keep me walking free from sin, keep me walking free from sickness, keep me walking in victory and overcoming in this life and being a testimony, one with witness in this world. Amen. Can you say amen to that? God bless you. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.